Welcome into the Duck Territory Podcast. I'm Matt Preem. Eric Scopel's across the way. Hey, guys. Take two. Yep. Take two. Uh, we had some technical issues, and we're starting over for this one. But uh, because of the holidays and basketball games and signing day and writing with content that we needed to get up, uh, we didn't do a podcast recapping Oregon's early signing day period uh, where they signed 15 recruits and Touching also on what's next for Oregon for the next eight weeks uh, leading up to the next signing period in February. <clears throat> so we're going to go in and, and dive into uh, what we like about this class, what we don't like about this class, and kind of what's next for Mario Cristobal as head coach. And um, what's happened is Oregon signed 15 recruits, mm-hmm. seven uh, of their top nine and quite honestly, the top seven guys from the top seven have all signed with Oregon. Um, they've had multiple four-star prospects signed. They've had multiple guys in the top five of their position groups all time signed with the Ducks. So I think there's a lot to uh, like about this class. It's it's don't get me wrong. There's certainly a what if factor in here. If if some of these guys didn't decommit yeah. and, and stuck with their commitments, Oregon would you know arguably have locked up their, their greatest class in school history. Still possible, though. I think still likely. Still likely as well. I, I would agree. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look at it from a half-glass full type of guy, who I, like myself, you had some big guys sign with Oregon. You, Steve Stevens, your highest-rated recruit before Taggart left, he stayed and signed. Tyler Shuck, your most important uh, recruit, a, a four-star quarterback, Elite 11 finalist guy at the opening. He stuck with his commitment and signed with Oregon. Uh, Javon Holland is, is another top safety, uh, I think second best safety they've ever signed at Oregon. He stuck right. with his commitment. Adrian Jackson is the third best linebacker to ever sign with Oregon. He stuck with his commitment and signed. So there's a lot of talent that, that's still on the board for Oregon. Absolutely, and, and I think you mentioned the safeties, but I'll, I'll kind of move down the board here a little bit and look at the offensive line. And to me, this was the biggest takeaway was, you know, Mario Cristobal, this is his position group, went out and capitalized, and he signed three really good prep Offensive linemen, um, Dustin Yarmelo and Stephen Jones are two of the top five offensive linemen to ever sign with Oregon. Jones is the heaviest at 340. You know, kind of, and I think that's kind of an indication of what Cristobal wants to do with this program. Is he brought in three guys and they average six foot six, 320 pounds. I mean, that's a big group of offensive line recruits, and uh, you know, this is a little bit of a deviation from what we're used to. Usually, they bring in the 280, 290 pound prep recruits. Right now, they're getting started with just a bunch of big bodies and. You know, I think you, you get an idea of what he wants to accomplish on the field. He wants to pound teams, and that, it certainly helps when you have some big bodies like that. And and these guys will help. And, and Jones is just a gigantic person. And the thing about Jones is that, and I asked Chris of all this question about how they've gotten significantly heavier uh, in his first year um, with Oregon's first full year of recruiting. Along the offensive line, because last I'm not going to really count 2017's class because they got here in December and right. Crystal Ball wasn't the head coach, um, and so you know typically Oregon signs 270, 280, maybe 290, and the guys that are 290 or above, they're heavy, not really athletic, slow offensive linemen, um, and he mentioned that all three of these guys. And Jones in particular, I, fit, I think fits this description, are super athletic yeah. and they can move. And it's not like Oregon's just going and getting a bunch of guys who are really heavy and have bad weight and just won't be able to move and, and, and perform at the next level. They've got guys who, you know, yeah, maybe they need to lose 10 pounds or 15 pounds, uh, but it's, you know, 
it wouldn't hinder them from from going out and, and performing right now at, at their current weight. They're all pretty athletic players. It's, it's worth noting that these three players may look like shrimps compared to Justin Johnson, who's verbally committed. <laughs> he's six foot seven, three fifty five, so he's he's bigger than any of these guys. And then Penny Sewell, who's right. uh, uh, their top offensive line target, maybe their top target overall right now on the board. Uh, he's about three hundred fifty pounds as well. So they're certainly you see a trend here about what they're looking for in terms of body types and. I think you can be encouraged that Cristobal kind of identified the type of players he wanted, and they went out and signed, like we said, two of the best offensive line prep recruits they've ever signed um, in, in school history. That was Penny Sewell, if he comes on board, would be the number one right. uh, line offensive recruit. lineman signed. So they'd, they'd theoretically have three of the, of the top five best players they've ever signed at the position coming out of high school all in one class. And that's that's encouraging, especially when you can kind of get a sense that Cristobal wants to you know, take ownership of this team. He wants to build it the way he wants to. And obviously for him with his position group, it starts with those guys. So it would have been pretty disappointing if that new, newly head coach didn't sign any players of this position group. You probably would have been like, is this guy really the guy for the job? He can't get anybody? But yeah, he went out and he signed three great players. And it's worth just really quickly on Johnson. This is not an indecision thing. He's a six foot seven, 355 pound offensive tackle from the Philadelphia area. He was waiting for his, his guardians. His, I think it's his cousin and his cousin's husband to come out with him to check out campus before he um, officially signed the paperwork. So this is not indecision as much as it is um, a semantic thing. I, I, yeah, I don't think his I don't think his guardians are against Oregon. No, they just um, want to see it. They just so want to see away. it, and you know, and it's understandable where you're in a situation where the the, the child your teenager you're in, responsible for is going to go all the way across the country. You at least want to see what that place is like before you just sign on the dotted line and, and send him on his way. So, like you said, there's no real concern with Justin Johnson. Um, he He's one of the biggest peer recruiters uh, sure with this recruiting class and is extremely vocal uh, in, through interviews and through social media about his status with Oregon. He made it known that he's, you know, yeah. he wasn't signing and he came out on his own and said, you know, there's some stuff out there I'm not signing Here's why, and laid it all out on the table. So, you know, Oregon's potentially in a position offensively up front where they could be pretty deep real quick. Um, shifting to the defensive side of the football, I think this was an area where Oregon knew they needed to address going into 2018, and you know they had some commits uh, back off, and it didn't take Oregon very long to to find replacements. And quite honestly, you're not going to find a guy like Malcolm Lamar uh, in a couple of days to replace. Um, that one probably stings a little bit. He was probably a guy that could come in and play right away. Right. Um, but at the same time, uh, Sion Veacava and, and Austin Fialo, or excuse me, Andrew Fialo. Too many brothers. Too, yeah, too many brothers. Uh, both those prospects, very talented, very impressive films, uh, and should have roles on this team moving forward right away. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Malcolm Lamar, a four-star defensive prep recruit, and Muhammad Diallo, a junior a Juco defensive line recruit, did commit, and then within 48 hours, they have Sion Vayakaba, a Juco recruit to replace Diallo, and Fialo, a prep recruit to replace Lamar, both commit. So that kind of fills that need pretty quickly. I think they did a pretty good job because, you know, Vayakaba was a guy that was kind of off the radar for a lot of us. I don't think we really knew exactly how serious the recruitment was. We kind of knew he was out there, but you know, him signing and then kind of reading Cristobal's body language and kind of even what he said about him after, um, during the press conference, you get a sense that they really like this guy. You know, kind of, almost kind of gushed over the body type and the kind of skill set that he provides, um, from the junior college level. I think maybe a guy that, you know, there's some question marks up front about who, you know, kind of what the roles will be, 
you know, on that defensive line, you feel pretty good about Jordan Scott, Jalen Jokes, and Austin Fialo, but there's a little bit of question about kind of what's behind that. Yeah. I think he's a guy that probably, based upon kind of what Cristobal has said, may fill in right from the jump in kind of one of those reserve roles. I look at Via Cava and Mohamed Diallo. Mohamed Diallo was the junior college prospect who decommitted from Oregon and ended up actually signing with Texas A&M. Um, I think Diallo was the heavier player by far. I think Diallo was like 310, 320. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty athletic in his own right. But he was a very high-ceiling, very low-floor-type, potential-type guy. Yeah, he just started playing football two years ago. Never played in high school. Um, it was just a guy that was a soccer player and just kept getting bigger and bigger and ended up having to play football because of the position. Um, he certainly could, could end up being a good player because of his athletic genes and traits he's got. Um, but he needs a lot of time to mold himself. And at the same time, he's not as versatile as Sion Veacaba is. I think Veacaba gives Oregon the ability to, to play, play him at nose tackle if they want on passing situations. Put him as a strong side defensive end in normal situations, and then um, when they need to get heavy and play on, you know, against the run, they could play him as that weak side defensive end. Uh, and so while maybe he doesn't have, I think maybe the as high of a ceiling as Muhammad Diallo, he's he's probably more ready to come in right away and and play. And that's the biggest thing for Oregon. They need guys that can come right in and and provide an impact for Oregon along the defensive line in 2018. Those guys were both late additions on signing day. Oregon also signed two other players that were not previously committed, at least the week before. Hockey Woods, I think, committed on... Was it the day before. Tuesday. He yeah. committed and then signed. He's a junior college cornerback kind of body tape, maybe similar to Tyree Robinson. Maybe not. That's a per- not, maybe not a perfect comparison. He was a t- second-team All-American yeah. for a junior he's college. A, he's a very, very good... Uh, Juco cornerback could also play safety, and then Carson Battles, long snapper, again doesn't get a lot of attention. But Tanner Crew was a long snapper, and this year he was an All-American. He's you know four-year starter. Carson Battles considered maybe the best prep long snapper in the country. He's an Army All-American, yeah. and he quietly signed with Oregon, so they they now have kind of their next long snapper for the four years going forward. So I think you know filling in some needs that probably aren't going to be the most you know talked about, but I think, you know, Battles is a guy, if you don't hear his name over the next four years for anything negative, he's done a good job. I think with looking at Hacky Woods, this is a, a commitment that's flying a lot uh, a lot under the radar here, um, because looking at what Oregon's defensive staff was able to do with the corners that they had, it seemed like Oregon was always in position um, to make plays. Sometimes the height issue just played into a factor, you know, I think of Jalen Strong uh, matching up against Thomas Graham, you know, a six foot four guy going up against the five ten, five eleven corner and Thomas Graham. Um, there's just not much you can really do with that. Right. And that receiver type of the Strongs and uh, other guys in the in the conference, Darren Carrington had some big plays. Um, you look at the receivers and there's not, there's a lot of guys that are 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". Oregon's targeting that height a ton right, right now as well. And so you need taller corners to combat that because you can be in perfect position, but if you're half a foot smaller than, than the guy you're guarding, just jump, throw it up, and jump ball it. And Hacky Woods is going to be a guy who's 6'3". Mm-hmm. And Cristobal mentioned you don't see that in college and you don't see that very often in the NFL. And the guys that are that height in the NFL are, are really good players. Um, so if, if 
Hacky Woods can, you know, transition over quickly and, you know, assimilate himself within the Oregon defense, I think he's got a chance to be a guy that could come in and, and play right away as a starter or as a, as a key reserve. There's certainly some room there in terms of if you look at both safety and corner right now with, with Springs and Tyree Robinson both departing um, for graduation. There are two starting spots basically up for grabs right now, and I think Woods and some of these two freshmen also kind of have an opportunity to do that. So real quick, what we like about this class, um, I, I think it's important to note that Steve Stevens was the highest-rated prospect before Taggart left. Mm-hmm. Uh, he signed and is the top prospect to sign with Oregon in 2018 to date. Um, Tyler Shuck, the, the most important player, he signed as well. Um, they they added some beef along the offensive line. They added some depth along the defensive line. Um, and I think they have a clear indication now of what they need to accomplish um, in the second period because it's you look at it and it's offensive line's pretty much done. Uh, the secondary is pretty much done. Um, I think quarterback position is done. The running back position is done. And you've got a real clear indicator now of, okay, we need to focus all our attention on these two or three spots and that instead of having to, you know, recruit across the entire board and devote all this time going after different, different prospects, uh, that gives you a clear indicator of what you need and I think that's huge. I think, yeah, the thing I like the most is that they touched on, like you said, a bunch of different position groups. They touched on defensive backs, quarterbacks, linebackers, offensive linemen, running backs, everything besides one position group, which is what I don't like. Right. We'll jump over to that right now. No wide receivers, no tight ends signed. Oregon at one point had, I believe, seven wide receivers slash tight ends verbally committed, and that wasn't that long ago. Um, so for them to fail to sign any of them, you know, and it's kind of mystifying because Oregon has a guy named Justin Herbert who's playing quarterback who's pretty good. <laughs> and, uh, and and for them not to bring anybody in to play with them. I think it's pretty safe so, to say Herbert's going to be here two years, too. Yeah, yeah. We think, yeah, we're kind of thinking at least two years. I mean, at least so you've got one year. you've got an elite quarterback who's here right now yeah. that you can go slide right into a position group at tight end and at receiver where there's not a lot of proven talent there. Yeah. And so there's ample playing time to be earned. So you you could play one probably two years with Herbert, and then on top of that, Oregon also has the the elite quarterback signed to to replace Herbert uh, when he moves on, and, and Tyler Show. So it's it's a weird deal, and we should note that Tegan Quinterino, a three star tight end out of Sprague in high school in Salem, and Spencer Webb, um, a four star tight end out of Sacramento area, both are committed. They just haven't signed. Yeah, and both. Kind of a little different situation. Corriano, we expected to sign up until Friday night. Never saw an letter of intent. He says he's going to wait until February now. Not because he's unsure, but just because he has some things to deal with. And Spencer Webb, um, looking now at UCLA, a couple other schools, that could be concerning because he's a guy who's got tremendous upside. So, yeah, they don't have a pass catcher signed right now. Did not sign a tight end. It's worth mentioning last class. So, you know, this is a need to at least sign at least two tight ends this class, maybe three, which they actually had at one point with, with Zeki who um, could have played wide receiver or tight end. So it'll be interesting to see how they attack this. They, you know, It's not for lack of targets. There are a lot of big time. I mean, at one point we were saying, they're going to have to pick between one of these three four-star recruits. Yeah. You know, that was kind of the general message. It's like, God, they got so many of these good wide receiver and tight end commits. They're going to have to pick between some of these guys. Now it's like, they better, they'll be lucky to go out and get a couple of them. You know, they need to, they need to go find some guys and, and there are some big ones that'll be visiting this January. Yeah, guys like five star receiver Dave, uh, Devin Williams out of Lancaster, California, California. Uh, you've also got four star Isaiah Crocker out of the Sacramento area. He's really close friends with Spencer Webb. 
Um, and quite honestly, I think this is a battle for Crocker between Oregon and Oregon State. It is. He's got a lot of good friends at Oregon State as well. Um, more actually at Oregon State than Oregon. Um, Jalen Waddle, a four-star guy out of Texas, probably not coming to Oregon, but they're in the hunt there. Joshua Moore, a top 50 prospect at receiver. He's coming out for an official visit. Um, Jalen Hall, another four-star prospect at Long Beach that Oregon's kind of in the driver's seat for. He might have some uh, academic things to get through before he can get admitted. Yeah. Um, so I think he's probably not a guy you just bank as your number one or number two option. You need some safety valves if you're going to get him. Uh, but pl- plenty of irons in the fire here for Oregon. Um, I just don't know if, if you can feel confident – in saying that they're going to get all of them for sure. Yeah. Um, and Oregon's going to have to close. And the question here is, under Taggart, they were going to get – they were planning on signing six, possibly even seven receivers, let alone tight ends, yeah. receivers. Um, that number, does it grow? Does it stay the same? Or does it shrink uh, for crystal ball for the last eight weeks of the period? Because I, I don't think it was smart to go out and sign six or seven receivers for 2018 – I'd like to see that number drop down somewhere to three to four because while there's talented prospects out there, you're probably not going to get them all to to sign. And on top of that, save a spot or two for 2019, which is going to be a small class. We'll touch on that here in a little bit. Um, Or use them at at different positions uh, like defensive line, linebacker, offensive line. I I think you take three for sure, and then you probably – this is me. Save a spot for three. Yeah, and I'm not obviously on the staff. But but, save a spot for a fourth if he's a must-take guy. And and maybe that that number grows a little bit if, like, somehow you have – Three guys committed, and then Devin Williams and Jalen Hall both want to commit, or you know Jalen Waddle wants to commit. But I, I think, yeah, I think less is maybe more here for for Oregon at this position group because there are a lot of true freshmen currently on the roster, albeit they're not as talented. We don't think as some of the guys Oregon is looking to sign in this class. Uh, other concerns I have is I'd like to see more defensive linemen. Definitely, um, I think this is a bridge here for Oregon along the defensive line. Jalen Jokes. Well, first of all, Henry Mondu and Elijah George are now gone from the program. Uh, they've graduated, and you know, Mondu was a, a, a two two and a half year starter for the Ducks. Uh, George was a key contributor off the bench, um, and then Jalen Jelks is going to be a senior uh, along the defensive line in 2018. And you know, it's kind of an ushering of the guard. Those guys, you know, Mondu, George, Jelks were here when Oregon played in the national championship game in 2014, and you know. They're pretty much now all out of the program. Uh, and they're that last group of guys that, you know, were part of that defense that had Armstead, Buckner, Balducci, Mondu, Jelks, what mm-hmm. have you. Um, and it's ushering in the new era of Jordan Scott, Austin Fialo, adding new pieces like Sion Veacaba. He's going to be a bridge guy. Austin, uh, Andrew Fialo. And then you got an opportunity to go out and sign two or three more guys and, those two or three guys have an opportunity to play right away because you look at Drayton Kralberg, you, you look at um, Gary Baker, Hunter Campmoyer, you know, Pobo Mave was hurt all year last year. He had the red shirt. You know, there's not a lot of proven talent no. past Oregon's top three guys. So yeah. if you're a D lineman, you can come in right away and play. So we've seen them even after signing day, I think, offer what, three or four yeah. more prep defensive linemen. So obviously they're prioritizing that. Um, another name here that didn't sign, but we think Oregon's in pretty good position with, is Tyler Manoa, an Army All-American uh, defensive lineman. I think went to the same high school as Cyrus Habibi, the key yep. currently on the team. Oregon wasn't even in the picture until 
two or three days after the bowl game. Yeah, yeah, and then jumped in, offered him, and and now it looks like they'll they'll have a shot. There's concern about whether he'll take a Mormon mission or not. And I think that maybe that was part of the reason why Oregon was reluctant to get involved prior. Um, but another really talented player that could probably come in and, and play a lot as a true freshman. So then I think I think they have two uh, signed right now. I think you'd like to see at number four or five. Probably. Yeah, I think. I, I would like to see Oregon probably go out and sign some guy that can play nose tackle. That's um, what they need for sure. Be, because I think what's probably going to happen, unless Sion Beacaba turns out to be a total stud, I think your starting lineup next year along the D-line is Jokes, Fialo, and then Jordan Scott at nose guard. Yeah. And Fialo was Scott's backup um, at nose guard in 2017. So, uh, it, it, a lot's going to depend on Veikaba's ability to play the defensive end position. Uh, is he better at end than uh, Fialo is at end? And if he is, then that keeps you. Know, you, you have one guy at, at defensive at nose tackle to back him up. Right. Um, but you need, I think, you need a nose tackle. You need a strong side defensive end, and you need to find an athletic guy that can rush the passer. And maybe that's Jonathan King, a guy we haven't talked about yet. Is a four star guy that's or a three star guy out of Florida. Um, committed because of his relationships with Willie Taggart and Raymond Woody out of Florida. Um, both those guys now are at Florida State, but Florida State hasn't offered yet. And I don't think they will. And yeah, I don't think they will. So I think King is kind of waiting right now to see if Florida State offers, I'll go there. Um, and this is just me talking and not him. You know, we're not repeating what he's told us, right. but he's told us he's going to wait, check out some options, see what's out there. I think he's waiting to see if Florida State offers because if they do, he'll, he'll go there. If not, I think he ends up at Oregon. And, and that that could be a guy that could be a really good speed rush off the edge. Yeah, and that's what he is. He's a little undersized, 6'1", 6'2", 250 pounds. But, yeah, he's a, he's a bull off the edge there. And, and Oregon will need some pass rush. I and mean, they've, they've lost a couple of guys this year. You look at Jonah Moyes no longer on the team. Mondu provided a little pass rush to, to bring in a guy like King who can maybe get some pressure off the edge, either as like an outside linebacker or a defensive end, I think would be would be big. And, uh, yeah, he's going to visit Oregon. He's going to visit a couple other schools, and, and ultimately it'll be interesting to see what he decides to do. And then at linebacker, um, I think they need to sign maybe one or two more guys. And depending on who they sign, they could uh, that could allow them to maybe move four-star linebacker who's currently committed, uh, Elijah Winston, to the end, a position he played in high school. Uh, he's an outside linebacker uh, right now, but I think – his frame and his future is going to be hanging in the dirt, be that rush speed end uh, type guy in a 3-4, and, and maybe they can just kind of process that that switch earlier than 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 they were expected to. And, and then it was worth noting that would be the third brother signing in this class as he is um, the younger brother of Lamar Winston, Oregon starting linebacker right now. And Andrew Johnson, a third player that we haven't mentioned that was that is committed currently but did not sign. Oregon still seems to be in a pretty good shot with spot with him. Another one of those guys who could play a couple different spots, probably an outside linebacker, probably a guy they'd like to hold on to. He's a really athletic player. Was a Raymond Woody recruit, though, so it'll be interesting to see. Again, Florida yeah. State hasn't offered, but it'll be interesting I just don't to see like the fact there. that he took his official visit before the Ducks went out to, to Vegas, that, that yeah. quick big recruiting weekend that they had, and they couldn't get him to sign. Yeah. And so now he can't come back out to Oregon unless he wants to pay his own way. Um, Crystal Ball can go and see him, I think, at home, because I don't think Taggart did. Uh, but at the same time, they don't have that home, you know, that official visit experience to, to lean on days, weeks to up till signing day in February. So he's a, a guy I think would be tremendous for Oregon on the outside, outside linebacker. But 
like I said, I don't think he's going to get offered by for Florida State, but he's a guy that's got a ton of offers. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't don't look at his three star status and say he's a nobody because look at the schools that have offered and you'll quickly realize he's probably a pretty good player. He's a really good player. Is he going to be able? To, is Oregon going to be able to fend off the the pull to play closer to home in Georgia? Then, you know, or go out, out to Eugene and, and that's going to be a tough one to, to, to pill here. Um, and then on top of that, we've also got, you know, a couple of five stars, uh, Devin Williams deciding also Talanoa Hafunga, the highest rated player in the state for the state of Oregon. And in my opinion, that the, the best player to come out of Oregon, maybe ever, um, for a very long time, a very long time. I think he's the most athletic. Uh, the most versatile player, more versatile than Colt Lyella was, um, is there's a lot of smoke that he could be going to USC and has possibly even signed with USC and is just waiting to announce it. Um, is that true? We don't know. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of discussion about it. Um, and I, I think Oregon was in the driver's seat before Taggart left. And when he did leave, I think Oregon maybe slipped to maybe third um, behind UCLA and USC. So uh, can Oregon get back in there? And if they miss on him, where do they go? Right. After that, do they go after another safety? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, um, there are a number of guys that they had offered with kind of conditional offers, you know, you know, and that happens a lot these days where you, you offer a guy kind of saying, Hey, you know, you wouldn't take a commitment, but we, you know, we, we like to continue recruiting you. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do there. You know, I don't necessarily know if they need a third safety in this class. And Fonga was technically an athlete and I think the number one rated athlete in the country. Um, but would have played safety at Oregon. I don't necessarily know if they need a third safety in this class. They signed two last year. They've already signed two this year. The two highest rated they've signed in, in program history. To me, Fonga would have been almost kind of like the cherry on top of right. the class. Question becomes, how big does this class get? Uh, under Willie Taggart, the, the staff was operating on the assumption of 32, 33 players. Crystal Ball said uh, on signing day that he wanted to get to as close to the 85 scholarship limit as they could. They operated around 75 to 76, which would mean they need to sign 10 more than uh, the baseline of 25 per year. There's ways you can get around that by early enrollees and, and whatnot, um, and we won't dive in, into that too much because that's really complicated. <laughs> yeah. um, too much but, math. But Oregon, Oregon's got, I think, the ability to add maybe eight more guys on top of the 25, so that can get them to 32, 33. Do you choose to do to fill all those spots, or do you carry over a couple for 2019? Because there's only eight seniors on this team for 2018 that we know of. Obviously, attrition will happen. It happens every year at every program. Um, guys want to play. They leave. Guys have to medically retire. We saw that this... During fall camp, we saw yeah. that. Um, you know, stuff happens. Guys leave the program. But I don't think you can sit here and say, Oregon's going to see 10 players leave the program and between now and 2018 signing period and to give Oregon 18 scholarships. Um, and on top of that, 18 is pretty small. So yeah, it is. you've got to find some ways to, to get a bigger recruiting class for 2019 because that's the day and age we live in now where programs are recruiting not just for the current recruiting class but two or three classes down the road as well um 
how many do you how many guys do you sign? I know my, my two cents would be you'd, you'd want to leave some for 2019 if you could because for two reasons. One, because a big thing with Oregon right now is the recruiting momentum is kind of the program momentum. Not to say they had a bad year in the field, but so much of the optimism and kind of what they were marketing was how well they were recruiting. And if you yeah. only sign 11, 12 guys or whatever the number is, you don't really allow yourself unless they're all like five star players. The second one would be that Coach Crystal is trying to build this program, and you don't want to have a class where you just don't bring any new guys in, basically. I think if, for me, I set that target number. Oregon's at, what, 21 right now? Well, they signed 15. They have 21 kids, commitments, yeah. Yeah, so you, you have 21 commits. I would put that number somewhere around 28 or 29 mm-hmm. for the class. Um, give yourself two or three spots of, of leeway for surprise commitment must-take type guys. Like, let's say... Devin Williams commits, or let's say Oregon goes out and gets an Isaiah Crocker, Miles Battle, and Michael Ezeki back into the fold, and then all of a sudden Devin Williams says, "Hey, I want to come." You're not going to turn a five-star receiver down, right? You know, you give yourself two or three spots of room there, because um, look, you're you're probably not going to get four or five surprise top fifty must-get commits. You never know. You never know, but you you probably not. Um, and that you know, you, you get to twenty-eight, and you give yourself. Two, two spots more. That keeps you to three classes, you know, three spots to carry over into 2019, which puts you to 11. You don't fill those spots. You're now up to 13. Natural attrition of four or five guys is is very possible. It could be more with a coaching it could, change. It could be more with a coaching change. Uh, and that can get you up to 18, 19, 17, 20 commits uh, for 2019 to take. And, uh, and then on top of that, you know, who knows? Maybe Herbert, Troy Dye are, are early entry-type candidates for 2019. 2019 NFL draft. So I think that's the number you look at, 28 to 30. I think give yourself a couple spots, room for must take air quotes um, deals. But overall, I think this is a class that, you know, on, on paper, it was a couple weeks ago, it was set to become the greatest in school history. And I think you can still accomplish that. I absolutely do. And I think, uh, yeah, the just to kind of recap the whole thing, Oregon's not done. They're probably going to sign close to 15 more players in the next. You know, in the next signing period. So certainly a lot of things to look at. We'll continue to update kind of what that board looks like, who's visiting, who's not. I mean, they're going to be doing probably more work almost than ever in this time in terms of bringing in top recruits and trying to, you know, convince them to sign just because they, you know, there's so much uncertainty with those 15 spots kind of late in the game. That'll do it for Eric and myself, Matt Prem, Eric Scopel. Uh, Please get my whole name. <laughs> uh, you can find all our work on Duck Territory with Educk. Uh, that name doesn't sound familiar. It's because we just merged with yeah, it's, it's like with, that. with the Educk site from Scout.com, um, and we're now working under the name of Duck Territory with Educk. It's probably going to change again at some point. We don't know exactly when or what it will become, um, but I would I would assume. Uh, It'll happen sometime in the future, within the next year or so. Okay. <laughs> um, sometime uh, in the future. Is a yes. <laughs> Pretty vague. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're really excited to work with Steve and Kevin, and um, I, I think it's going to be a huge addition for both our sites now, which are one. Yeah. That'll do it for us. Uh, you can find us on iTunes by searching for the Duck Territory Podcast. That reminds me, we need to name change this maybe. Uh, change our name here a little bit. But, the Duck Territory with the Duck Podcast. Yeah, but uh, you can find us on iTunes under the Duck Territory Podcast. We're free. You also can watch us. Uh, you can also listen to this on Duck Territory with E Duck. 
Uh, just go to Oregon.247sports.com, and that will get you all your Oregon football, Oregon basketball, and Oregon recruiting needs. So until we talk to you soon, uh, we will see you soon and talk to you later. Thanks, okay. guys.